As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to From the Rookery and a podcast uh, about Watford Football Club, uh, brought to you by The Athletic. My name is John and I hope you're well. I hope you're not getting too stressed uh, about this uh, game against uh, a certain club up the M1. Uh, we're going to have a, 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 you know, a good chat about it, of course, next week um, after the game itself. But we're also we're working on a, a little sort of fans retrospective, hearing from many of the fans that were at uh, the magical game uh, back in 1997, where Watford won 4-0. Uh, you might know about it, or you might have heard about it uh, in in Watford legend. Uh, so that's going to be uh, in this week's uh, weekend podcast. But this midweek, uh, we're going to play you a special interview that Adam has done with a, a certain magical player. Uh, but the mar- article he uh, he did after interviewing this player, uh, you can get at the Athletic. All you have to do is go to theathletic.com uh, and find the uh, the Watford section. But also, if you haven't subscribed, you need to go to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end, where you can sign up. Uh, at the moment, it's three ninety nine uh, for your subscription. Uh, that's three ninety nine a month uh, for the first six months. So three ninety nine. That's like a pound a week. That's about fourteen pence a day. So it's less than a normal daily newspaper, uh, but also it's an amazing newspaper. But all online uh, from some of the best sports journalists in the world. If you're into North American sports, of course, uh, they have a fantastic team where the whole thing started. Uh, and if you're really into your baseball, hey, it's the biggest time of the year because the start of the baseball season is here. Uh, so do check out the athletic coverage of the MLB uh, as well. Of course, Adam's content on. Watford. So who? Well, you know who it is. It was in the title of the podcast. Let's hear what we had when we got, when Mike, Adam and I gathered to talk about a certain Watford player. A Watford FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is from the rookery end. There's a certain player that we're used to playing for Watford. They're not glamorous. They're not, well, they're, some of them are pretty. Uh, they are run-of-the-mill. Well, that's what it felt like when I was a, a young child. It's different these days, and it was certainly... A big change in 2012 when a certain group of players turned up. One in particular, Mr. Alman Abdi. Majestic is the, is the first word that comes to mind. Mike, he was, 
he was gorgeous footballer, wasn't he? <laughs> and I don't mean in your, and I don't mean a Sebastian Prudel or John Eustace way. I mean just the way he played football. He was absolutely sublime, yeah. And some of the happiest moments, certainly of that um, that promotion season, are are down to to Almanati. You can see him with his arms spread, wheeling away, celebrating. And I think what he, what Alman Abdi represents for me is, like you say, John, a change in the calibre of player that Watford had. He was almost the poster boy. For, uh, he's that moment in time. He represents that change in a team that was comprised of uh, of younger players or players picked up on the cheap from elsewhere in the in the division or below to a group of players that was actually being put together with a view to making a serious tilt at, at promotion to the Premier League. He was an extra level above anything or most of the stuff that we'd seen, certainly for the, for a decade or so at Watford. And yeah, he just, he made us sort of believe that something special could, could happen at Watford under, under this new regime. And uh, we, we knew straight away with players like him, with players like Matty Vidra, that these weren't just players here to make up the numbers. These were players that are serious, serious operators and, yeah, I mean, how much joy did did, did Alman Abdi give us? It was, uh, I'm sure we'll we'll hear about it later. But the the goal at Fulham in particular, um, which is the night I think a lot of people recognise as the the time when the the promotion bus was 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 back on track and firmly pointing in the right direction, um, live long in the memory. And uh, yeah, just a, a sublime, superb, high end Rolls Royce of a of a player. And if if anything else, a little bit sad that we didn't get to to hang on to him for a little bit longer, but um, nothing but great, great memories of uh, of the Professor. Brilliant. I, I can tell you how many people actually really liked him, Mike. The answer is 64%. Well, not quite. We, we, he was voted on a little online poll that we did. Uh, the the best Watford player of the decade, that wasn't Troy Deeney, because uh, Troy wasn't in the, in the match, we thought it would be unfair. W- when it came to the group stages, he was in a group with Roberto Pereira, Tom Cleverley and Manuel Almunia. He won with 75% of the vote. It wasn't even close to second place. Roberto Pereira was on 10% of the vote. In the next round, he comes up against Gabriel Angela. Guess what? 95% of the vote. In the quarterfinals, Akitjanya, hmm, that could be close. No, it wasn't. He got 87% of the vote. The semi-final against Aurelio Gomez, 59% of the vote. He trounced uh, Aurelio and in the final, him and Matty Vidra, 64 to 36. Clearly the best player of the decade at Watford. Adam, you've been searching for him. And <laughs> how did you find his phone number, by the way? It was a little bit of a an interesting story, this one, because obviously he, um, you know, since he, he left Watford, he went on to, to Sheffield Wednesday. It didn't work out particularly well then. And then... He's pretty much been off the radar, quite quite literally at times, because he went on a, a like a, on a world tour with his girlfriend, and they went all over the world. And you know, people that follow him on Instagram and stuff will have seen him popping up in Malaysia and you know Singapore and New Zealand. Or you're not jealous at all, are you? No, no. <laughs> they were beautiful pictures. They were great pictures. Yeah, they were ama- amazing pictures. It was. It looked like a you know a great journey. And and you know, he spoke about it in in the piece about it being a great life experience but also something that you know I guess we often forget that you don't get that opportunity to do the things that 
you know, you or I might have been able to do when we were, I don't know, sort of 18, 19, 20 in our early 20s, when we could sort of go, I'm I'm just not going to work for a year and I'm going to go away or I'm going on a trip with my mates or whatever it is. You don't really get an opportunity to do that as a footballer. So once it was over at Sheffield Wednesday, he thought, right, (laughs) I'm going to get stuck in and I'm going to really, really go for it. And he traveled for months and months and months. So once I knew that he was back and once I knew that he'd, you know, he'd had a bit of opportunity to spend spend time with his his new son, um, Theo, it sort of settled down a bit. I managed to managed to track him down to his to his hometown and I managed to find a number um, which I called and I was met with a lady speaking German. I then had to try and sort of remember some of my GCSE German and have a conversation with with this with this lady who I didn't know who it was. Uh, Guten Tag. That was about it. That, and then I had to start Googling. Um, but I was sort of live live translating what she was saying, putting it in my laptop and whatnot, whatnot and then managed to somehow understand that she was a, a family member of Alman Abdi. I managed to get a, a number for Alman from 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 this lady, um, who I thought you know was grandma or, or whatever it was. Sent him a message, and it was all go from there. So um, who was she? Who was she? Oh, she, she was his mum. <laughs> yeah, from Abdi. It was his mum, and it was funny because I spoke to him, and and he said when I'd messaged him, I said I, I've you know I've I've spoken to one of your family members, and he was thinking who the, like who's who's you know who would he have spoken to, and then he would he later spoke to his mum before you know getting in touch with me, and he joked he was like why did you give him my number? You know, like as you would when you're speaking to your, you know, your, someone that you didn't want to get in touch with or whatever. But no, look, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd messaged him before on, on Instagram, but I hadn't really been able to sort of pin him down. It, it was great to finally just get an opportunity to speak to the to the professor and, and learn a lot about the before, the during, and a, a little bit about the after as well. So, you know, He's a, he's, he was one of my favourite players to watch, especially, you know, early on in the in the Pozzo era. When you watched him, you thought, wow, we have gone up a gear in terms of the, you know, the, the sort of player that we're able to have at, at Watford. And I sort of vividly remember a goal that he scored against um, Blackburn. He just reminded me of Zinedine Zidane that day, the way he sort of pivoted and, and was just able to sort of move the ball around the pitch so much better than anyone else on the on on the pitch and he just he was just absolutely fantastic and fantastic footballer and a fantastic bloke to speak to you spoke to him uh, on the phone uh, to find out about just Alman Abdi where is he what's he up to how is he uh, but particularly about him being one of the very first Pozzo players to arrive at Vicarage Road I was one of the first ones Pedro Putil and me so he wasn't he wasn't that much yet. So when I went there and the first trainings, we were like just three of us, and all the rest were like English or Irish or Scottish. But then after a few weeks, literally half of the team was either from Mudine, and um, yeah, it, it was it was nice because I had some familiar faces. But on uh, you know, the other hand, I don't know what they thought. They maybe thought like, oh come on, I, I'm not so sure how much the English like that, but. Uh, it was good because um, I had the feeling we had a strong team and, you know, championship is really, really tough. I think we showed that in the first season that we were capable of uh, going up, even though in the end it wasn't enough. In terms of, like, Zola, he was obviously a big fan of, of you and your ability and he called you the professor for the first time. After 
after a while, everyone was calling me the professor in the, in the dressing room. So it was great. It was great working with him. Um, we had a great relationship. He's a great manager. And um, we had so much fun and on the pitch, off the pitch. And it, it was a great first season for all of us. And I was living in London as well. London is a great city. So I was enjoying myself. The way, the way that you played the game, you seemed so in control and so calm. You were almost playing a different game to a lot of the players at that level in particular. How would you describe yourself in terms of the way that you played? Did you see how how cool you were? Always my whole my whole life, my whole career, like to play centre mid and uh, you know box to box, like to control, touch the ball and. But like you said, like if I felt really how calm it was, I was not really because obviously I was nervous as well. It has a lot to do with my with my character, with my how I am as a person. I'm a calm guy. I'm patient. You know, I'm so different to my brother and sister. They are very impulsive, and I they always say like I'm the quiet one in the in the family. I'm a thinker as well. She's not always good. I think sometimes too much. You know, you have positives and negatives, but um, I'm calm and like I said, I'm I'm a person that's very interested like in other people, in other cultures. And I learned that in the past years because I wasn't always like that. That's why I'm saying like going abroad these different countries made me like that and like made me mm. calmer person maybe. Also now I've got a family, obviously I've got a son. It's, it's a bigger responsibility. It's different than before. Before I was always we were always alone. We could do whatever we want, but yeah. now it's different. It's it's just it's amazing. It's amazing because um, yeah, I was always dreaming of that, and then you know suddenly it happens. And it goes so quick. Just in terms of like that first season, obviously scoring on in the first game of the season against Crystal Palace, and everyone was a bit confused about this whole new world. And then you scored, <laughs> Matty scored, won the game. Can you remember that that moment of that feeling, that release? Yeah, I do. I do remember uh, scoring the first goal, winning the first goal, and the, the atmosphere, the fans were there, and it was really nice weather. It was hot, amazing to, to score this goal, to see these fans happy, and to see these emotions. What I love about England, because every one of us were welcomed like with open arms. I remember mm-hmm. it was easy for me because I could already speak speak English. I think that helped. I went to Italy. I couldn't speak Italian a single word, so it, it was tough. The Italians, they, they're not so good with English. So yeah, that help, helps a lot, obviously, if you can talk to anyone, to everyone. And you are very welcome. I remember in the dressing room, it was a few more experienced guys, a few young lads. I think it was a great atmosphere in the, in the dressing room. It was just, I didn't feel there was any kind of like jealousy or anything. We were together and that's why I think we were so, so successful the first season. The highlights of that season, were there any moments during that season that stuck out for you? Obviously, yeah, you remember your goals. I remember this one, I remember against Wolves uh, I remember yeah we had so many good games and it was the last game against Leeds which unfortunately we didn't win in the end uh, but this season was crazy in terms of emotions like you semi-final against left one of if not the, the craziest moment of my football career this couple of minutes but then the final were, when we, we lost it was, it was emotional and um yeah, it was quite tough to take, but uh, anyway, we 
like I said, we had such a such a great season. There were so many good memories and um, enjoyed my football. Also, the style of you know style of football we played, I really enjoyed. The Dini goal in the semi final. I can't remember where you were. What were you doing? I remember. I didn't. I was just box to box. I did. I was. I was. It was crazy. Like in in I don't know how many seconds was that from missing penalty to scoring and. Yeah, if this emotion so like I can't describe. And I, I remember I think there was still the this old stand there. So everyone was like hugging us and like yeah, it was it was it was great. The second season was really disrupted by injuries. It was terrible because this injury is like not a not one of those injuries where you like, I don't know, do a meniscus or ankle, whatever. Like it was, it was always there for months and months and months. Like I remember, almost for a year, and it's so painful. Mm. And it was like one day is better, one day worse, one day better, one day worse. It was back and forth for for a long time, and it was really tough mentally, especially because you know you never knew. Also, I think second season we didn't do that that great. We finished like thirteenth or something like that. Personally. Such a disappointment because I couldn't help the team and um, I, I was literally trying everything. I went to a few doctors in Spain, in Italy, in Switzerland, but no one could really help me. Then it just one day just ruptured. I think when I came on against Forest, and then I got, I had to go out again when it ruptured. Then it, it was finally better uh, later. What was your, yeah? What was it your was take tough. on Sanino? He was like a firecracker, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, what a character, yeah. He's, he's special. <laughs> Obviously, I, I I could talk to him. I, I understood because he couldn't speak very good English. He had great ideas. And the problem is, I think, if you come from Italy to England, it's just, it's just different. Football is different. Training is different. And he left when we were first on the table. And uh, I was really surprised because I think we were doing well. But I think he had, he had some difficulties to to work the way he wants to work because you know you can't just do tactic training for an hour every day with English players so in Italy I, I, I had this experience like you do loads of tactic in training and yeah it can be boring sometimes so his ideas and the English style of football didn't even didn't proper match even though I think he did a great job after him Oscar Garcia came he had to leave as well because of a health um, issue after that Jokanovic came when he came again I think we showed um, also really good football because uh, it suited me the the way we played and I had again really good relationship with him and we were really good that season I guess Uh, even though it's crazy that we went up and we, we literally had four head coaches. I don't remember how, when exactly it came, but um, also under him, we didn't. It took some time. We mm-hmm. had a, a spell of like four defeats in a row, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, but after that, especially towards the end of the season, we were really strong and fully deserved to get promoted. Yeah, and it kicked, it sort of all kick started with the win over Fulham, which is one of the goals that is obviously repeated quite a lot of yours into the top yeah. corner and. And just the smile and the elation, and that must be quite a, a fond memory. Also, one of my best games, I guess. Uh, I think that was the game after four defeats in a row, and we were under pressure. Mm. And then went to Fulham, which I think they were doing quite right. And then on a Friday evening, Sky game, so yeah, we thrashed them. So, so we played really well, and that was the game which changed our whole season. 
to to win promotion was was incredible. It must have felt your the plan had worked. It was great, actually. I mean, I remember the emotions after, like we couldn't believe it. Uh, we were working hard to to get promoted, and it's not easy to get promoted in a championship. Uh, I'm telling you that because you have. Like I said, 46 games plus I don't know how many in cup, and every three, four days you have to go. And when you look back, so many tough games, away games on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday night where it was like zero degrees, raining, and <laughs> we deserved that. And we I remember when uh, yeah, we played Brighton, when we I think on the way home, yeah, we got promoted. We had a great night after we celebrated with all the fans. It's definitely. A memory I will never forget. Yeah, do you remember that night out? I mean, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and then in the the Premier League season, did you understand why they wanted to bring someone that was maybe more experienced at top level? I thought we were doing great with Jokanovic, mm. and uh, I was first. I was disappointed because I thought he's definitely going to be our our manager next season because obviously he got us promoted. You never know what's happening behind closed doors. I don't know. Then Kike came and um, obviously we played different different football after. Um, we played with a 4-4-2 and most of the time I, I played on the right side or on the left and I prefer to play in the middle but it was always a dream of mine to play in the Premier League, best league in the world. Enjoyable to compete with all these teams, with all these um, superstars. Going back to that season, did you, in the Premier League, did you feel that your your impact, or you know, obviously because there w- there weren't as many goals and there weren't as many assists, although you obviously you were playing a key role in a in a team that had exceeded expectations. Did you feel it was more of a your position had an impact on your ability to to have as much of an influence? I was never a wide player. Yeah, uh, I preferred to play left than right but most of the times yeah. I, I played right because in, on the left at least I can come in yeah I was I was further away from the goal also obviously the level was different I mean you can't compare championship to Premier League even though like you know sometimes you can be tough in the championship but in other hands I think when you've got the ball in the Premier League you kind of like have more time on the ball than in the championship so it's it's, it's, it's very different yeah both things uh, play a part uh, play a part why I couldn't score as many or assisted as many goals as in the championship. Did you have an opportunity to get to know Walter Mazzari or was it more of, was it him saying you're not going to play as much or was it Gino? Well, Gino, yeah, I, play, I trained like three weeks, I think, uh, pre-season a little bit uh, with Mr. Mazzari and he was a good coach. Like I I played some friendlies, I think, yeah. as well. First of all, he was playing a 3-5-2 and I was literally right wing back and I, I didn't, la- didn't like that position that much so in the end listen in football in the, in the end I understood I better for me to go because they had other players in, in centimetres which they this was also like the main point I wanted to go because I didn't want to be maybe a year on a bench or a year playing sometimes ring back, uh, right wing back so but that was the reason why I decided to go it was tough I mean I I had a feeling I I was playing in 32, 33 games out of 38. Mm. And, um, my first Premier League season, I, I I think I had played my part in, the, in that season. And it's just football. You, you never know what's going to happen uh, after that. I was in my 
final year of my contract. It was more like, yeah, I had an offer from, from a few clubs, from Sheffield and from Fulham. Yeah, I had to decide. Um, they couldn't they couldn't assure me yeah if I'm gonna still play because if if it's my because it's my final final year of my contract and uh, also like they didn't want to extend it either. I, I wanted to stay because I I loved Watford. I loved to be there. Loved playing there, but they had other plans. So which is understandable. I mean, this is what happens in football when you reach thirty. You know, they they look for for younger players, and I remember. Uh, Pulled in and first year were already at uh, Sheffield Wednesday, so then I decided to go, even though I didn't want to really. But yeah, that's football. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. Where is he now, Adam? He's, 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 is he sunning it around the world? Is he, where, where is he? What's, what's life like for Alman Abdi post-football? Well, I don't know, John, if you've noticed there's been a, a global pandemic, so people aren't really moving around. <laughs> we might have been stuck. <laughs> no. some, you know, these people who like found themselves in this Maldives beach yeah, and, well, yeah. we can't travel, so we've got to stay. No, it's true. It is true, actually. He, he could well have been one of those people because obviously he was traveling around the world, as I mentioned, and he would have liked to have, have stayed longer. But he found out that his girlfriend was was pregnant. And the, the pandemic was just starting to sort of take hold and there was there was cases rising in Asia. So they thought, right, let's just get home. Obviously, you know, we'll be able to have the baby at home and all that sort of stuff. So he's been at home in Switzerland ever since, welcomed a, a kid to the world in during the pandemic. So he's actually quite philosophical about what has happened in his life of late because, you know, he didn't have a good time at, at Sheffield Wednesday. And just to point people in the direction of a piece that will be coming out on The Athletic, which will focus on on his time at Sheffield Wednesday because that's not really covered in detail in, in this piece because I concentrated on his on his Watford days. But he is quite sort of philosophical because, you know, he thinks it didn't go to plan. I didn't get another club. I sort of, he doesn't say it, but sort of sort of fell fell out of love with the game due to due to what had happened, um, and that allowed him to travel the world. And if he hadn't have travelled the world, would he have had his son now, or would he still be playing? So he's very much sort of come to terms with it, and he seems pretty content. But what I what I found out about him is that he's not someone. Although he would like to probably get back into the game in some form, 
he's always had other interests in terms of you know property development and 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 business ideas as well and and he's he's got his friends that he's always had from from when he was a kid and he's only really kept in touch with with a couple of guys from from the Watford days and Fernando Forestieri he's kept in touch with Joel Ekstrand who who also had to retire um earlier than he would have liked um due to a knee injury he's kept in touch with him but other than that it's 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 almost like he he passed through our our lives and and many of the you know the squad's lives very sort of daintily as he would do a you know a difficult challenge in midfield and just sort of glided through and moved through and now he's you know he's doing he's doing other stuff and you know he, he seems he seems very content and very happy or as happy as you can be in obviously in the current climate i absolutely loved hearing from him because yeah, just 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 talking about him again, it does realise what a what a brilliant and exciting time it was. And as we mentioned before, he really was almost the poster boy for for that transformation. And what I really like, and it often happens when you hear from 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 ex players, and you think, well, oh, they just pay a little bit of lip service to their time at Watford. But it felt like Alman Abdi really did enjoy his time at Watford. He really did have sort of pin sharp recollections, didn't he, of certain goals and certain incidents and. It, and it sounded like he was talking about Watford with a as much of a smile on on his face, talking about it as we did when we were watching, which is always nice to know. And just talking about that first season when when the, when the Pozzos came in and with with Gianfranco there, he was kind of almost was chuckling, wasn't he, at the at the madness of it all, at the the, the absolute chaos. He sort of that all of a sudden all these players turned up and it turned into a very cosmopolitan dressing room very very quickly and just to hear it from the inside told from the inside that it felt probably just as balmy for them as it did for us watching on I thought that was um that was quite interesting and uh yeah just his, his summary on some of the some of the managers I thought was was absolutely absolutely fa- fascinating fascinating um, fascinating but actually you hear it and you go I I can imagine I can imagine yeah. what yeah. Beppe Sanino was like. Um, yeah. what, what, what for you, Mike? What was your? Adam mentioned the, the, the Blackburn goal. I, I have this recollection of him grabbing the ball, turning just outside the box and into the top corner. Did one against? Uh, was it Bolton away uh, in the run-in, and, and also one, uh, of course, the, the, the one you already mentioned that, that that game against Fulham. It was like magic, like out of out of nowhere, just so. Brilliant. What was your favourite Alman Abdi moment? I think the free kick has been one that's been played ad nauseum recently because obviously because of the paucity of free kicks. But I do think that Fulham, I do think that Fulham game was so so important. Did he score at Charlton as well? Yeah. And what was the situation there? Were you down to um... player sent off or something? I want to say it was a it was a cold night at, at Charlton, wasn't it? He scored at Charlton. He scored away at Reading as well. I think we we were down to. I think we might have had a man sent off against Reading and we won. The, but the bottom line is, he was a guy that you always felt could make things happen. You know, Gerard Delafeu has had the, the moniker, the magic man recently, hasn't he? But I think really over the last sort of period of time, the real magic man for me was, was Alman Abdi. You knew he was almost like a secret weapon, wasn't he? I think when Man United fans used to call Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the, the baby-faced assassin, didn't they? Well, it's a similar sort of thing with Alman Abdi. He looked quite unassuming. As Adam said, he's he, he, someone that could sort of, he's he fallen out of love a little bit. He's moved away from football, but he's just so well grounded. He just looks like a normal guy, someone you'd walk into the pub and you think, you know, he doesn't look necessarily like a footballer. And he, he never struck the opposition, I, I suspect, as someone who could to, could change the game. But for us, we knew he could always take the game away from the, the opposition. Very unassuming looking, just closed class the way he, he, he moved around. And as he spoke in the, in the interview with Adam, the chat with Adam, 
he did what he was told as well. He filled in a number of different positions, had to bounce back from a, from a nasty injury. You know, he spoke about how he had to play with it, niggling for, for some time. Just got on with it and gave his of his best for Watford during his his career. Played in different positions for different managers, and all that time just sprinkled a little bit of magic dust over over the over the side throughout his time. So, yeah, some really magical, memorable moments. And you know, when you think Armin Abdi, like I said, you think with that big beaming smile, sort of slightly understated. My, I've just literally googled to figure out what happened in that Charlton game. Yeah, uh, Holborn Hoban scored. Uh, Forest area got sent off, second yellow, diving, diving. surprise. Yep. <laughs> um, and Alman Abdi, and actually I, I remember interviewing uh, Nathaniel Chalabar that season in the old Hornet shop, uh, and he said, uh, he, he mentioned him sticking the ball into the stanchion for that free kick uh, that yeah. won, us, won us the game. And the photo on the BBC website, he's running away with a big old grin on his face. <laughs> you know, he, happiness. That twinkle in his eye, didn't yeah. he? And, and he gave us all a twinkle in our eye, wasn't it? It's just that little bit extra that little bit of yeah magic i think is the best way and it's it's what you love in footballers when you know you're going to get something not mercurial in it he always got good performances he was always a, a solid performer but you always felt that there was that little bit of magic whether it was a a, a pinch a, 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 an absolutely perfect pass or a, a a free kick drilled in or a free kick popped into the into the stanchion as as Nathaniel Chalabar obviously has fond memories of. Brilliant, brilliant player. Really, really great to hear from him. I love talking about Sonino and how he was a character and his desire to do an hour's worth of tactics and, and basically players over here a, a, a blunt refusal to do an hour's worth of tactics every day on the, on the training ground. As always, just really, really interesting to hear from him and a real, just a real nice throwback and great, great to hear from him because, as Adam said, he has been off the, off the radar and it did feel like he... He fell out of love a little bit with football. It didn't. He, it sounded like you know, he didn't necessarily want to go to Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, but he did because that's the kind of guy he is. A professional. He's going to go where he can uh, make an impact, and and it didn't work out. Um, but it sounds like he's he's happy now. And I, for one, am very more than happy that we've got the Alman Abdi memories that we've got. What a guy. What a hornet. Recently, the article came out the day after uh, his crown of being the last man. Uh, to uh, score a, a direct free kick. Uh, that, that title now goes to Adam Messina as the last man to do it. It was an article he wrote, Adam, because he scored many of them, but he, it had been five years since he had scored one for Watford and five years since Watford had scored one until that 90-something minute uh, away at, at Cardiff. 1,778 days of Watford not being able to score a free kick, which is an incredible, incredible run when you think about it. And I think, and I'll, I'll be completely open and honest and, and transparent in, in what had happened. I, I'd spoken to Alman the previous week or the week before that, and the plan wasn't to, to put out the um, the article there and then. It was actually to put it out in this international break in a, in a series that we're running on The Athletic at the moment about modern cult heroes. But I thought that we have to put it out today. Everyone's been talking about Alman Abdi and the fact that, you know, we've scored that first free kick since April the 30th, 2016 and all that malarkey. And I'd spoken to him briefly about it before he'd said, I I can't quite believe that it's been that long. But at the same time, he'd said, well, you know, this sort of stuff happens. I then caught up with him again on the way back from Cardiff, you know, was able to speak to him saying it's gone. The record's gone. So, you know, he was really happy that it is um, that it has been broken. And it was just a nice little reminder that, you know, he still looks out for for the Watford um, results, wants them to do well. We've mentioned the the Fulham goal before, and uh, you know that really kickstarted a, a wonderful run that we went on 
um, towards the end of the 14-15 season, which led to promotion. And, you know, we're sort of hopefully in the midst of, of one of those runs now. So I suppose, you know, the next time that I'll be able to get in touch with him will be, you know, just making sure that he's hopefully been tracking us all the way up until the, the final day when hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, we can be looking forward to to another promotion like he enjoyed. So, yeah, great to speak to him. Great to catch up with him. And I hope people, you know, when they check in on The Athletic, enjoy the article in full. Thank you very much for listening. And remember, you can check out that article on The Athletic. Uh, if you're not subscribing, go to theathletic.com forward slash rookeryend, uh, where you can sign up for three ninety nine a month. That's a 40% discount on the normal subscription. Thank you to Mike, thank you to Adam, and of course, thank you to Alma, not only for this uh, interview that we had with him, but also just for being brilliant. We'll be back after the Luton game to have a look back on whatever that happens at the kennel uh, and also look back on that 1997 legendary game where Watford won 4-0. And we'll hear from lots of different fans who were at that game. Don't get too stressed, don't get too anxious about the game, uh, but do always get behind the Hornets. Come on, you all! The Athletic.